Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street was one of two movies in the Sundance Film Festival to feature the the Muppets cre- created by Jim Henson. There's also a bit in the Rita Moreno doc where she sings with one of the Muppets. Sure. And it got me thinking about how sometimes at the Sundance Film Festival or other film festivals where you're watching just so many movies in quick succession, there'll be these weird parallels between two films. So wondering if you guys noticed any of those stuff, like the fact that on the first day we watched a movie named Coda, and then there was a movie about a film censor who looks at a movie called Extreme Coda, or how both CryptoZoo and We're All Going to the World's Fair had tarot card readings. There's also the fact that there's uh, uh, four documentaries in the Sundance Film Festival set at high schools, Homeroom and... Yes, uh, what's that the one I didn't notice. <laughs> Homeroom and Try Harder, both in California. Cusp and At The Ready, both in Texas. Did you guys notice any other weird parallels through your Sundance experience? Quarantine stuff. A lot of uh, quarantine quarantine things that have been happening. Yeah. Um, Um, The mental health stuff that we some some movies, which I believe we're going to get to, did not do a great Mm -hmm. job. And (laughs) everybody went against (laughs) them. Other ones where people were like, eh, wasn't great, but the movie ended. I'm glad that you were able to vent up on screen. All the ones that I, th- I thought did a great job. Um, I'm trying to think of some tiny stuff for sure. I mean, we had that joke before it started that uh, John in the Hole had the Cole consultant and so did Pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> the whole consultants, yes. Consultants. I'm going to think of some more as we go through them for sure. Yeah. Yeah, let's start the uh, next section of sundance with the blazing world this is directed by carlson young also written by carlson young and pierce brown decades after the accidental drowning of her twin sister a self-destructive young woman returns to her family home finding herself drawn to an alternate dimension where her sister may still be alive this is one of the ones that i think we were really excited about going into the sundance film festival art how did that excitement pay off (sighs) No, let's all together do this. This was a short on Prime. Y'all can see it. Uh I thought it had a lot of visual flair, a lot of promise. I didn't get this movie. But some people hated this movie. Zach said we're on the next category. That is the category's name, Next. I believe this could have been more of a midnight. But I think they put it in Next because most of the people who saw this went... Next. Yeah, <laughs> next. It was the first one I watched. Oh, people were uh. really harsh on this one, man. Like, Okay, like, I don't hate it, but I absolutely do not get it. This is complete auteur filmmaking for her. A lot of people are upset that, you know, maybe something else could have been chosen. I'm going to give it another chance when it comes out. You can catch the short to see if you're interested in the style that she's going for. Again, I did not understand it. That is all yeah, I Amanda, have to Amanda, what did you this. not like about it? I I don't know. Like, that's the thing. I don't, it's like, I, I thought, I saw, I couldn't figure out how I wanted to put it into words. I was like, it. it's like it goes into a dark fairy tale, but like not in a good way. Like when you say that to somebody, they're like, that's good. But Lucy on Letterboxd said, it's Coraline for girls with trust funds. And I, that is like the best way to put it. And like, and that's not in a complimentary way. Like if you liked Coraline, maybe you'll like this, but overall I don't. No, if you will, I thought that in the beginning it was doing a lot of weird, trippy things that I really liked and resonated with and then or at least made me interested to where it was going to go. And then when it actually gets into it and she's like just looking for these keys, I'm like, how is this so simultaneously weird and cookie cutter at the same time? I don't like this. (laughs) And it's like it doesn't get into an area where it's evoking like hatred from me, but I also just don't 
like it. Like my life feels no better for having experienced this movie, which is sometimes harsher than just saying these are the reasons why I hated it. Um, I don't know what to do with this movie. Yeah, uh, you know, this is a movie that we got a link to, and I, I was also on my list of ones that I was excited mm-hmm, about, same. but it, both of you told me that you did not like it, and basically every person that I'm friends with on Letterboxd who rated this movie gave it two stars or less, which is like, not does not happen very often, especially for a uh, festival movie. Yeah. I only have yeah, two I movies under one. three stars so far. This is one of them. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't even feel bad because I just don't get what she was going for. Yeah, I didn't rate it. Sometimes I feel too bad to rate things like lower than yeah. a two and a half. I just feel bad. And no one so owns our don't. rating. Yeah. yeah. Well, we saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see how the how the rollout to this one goes. Yeah. Also in the next section, Crypto Zoo. It's the latest from director and screenwriter and animator Dash Shaw. What's up? About crypto zookeepers oh. struggling to capture a Baku. What's up? A legendary dream-eating hybrid creature. <laughs> and they begin to wonder if they should display these rare yes, beasts in the confines of a crypto zoo. Yes, sir. Or if these mystic- mythical creatures should remain <laughs> hidden and unknown. I think there's some differing opinions about this movie. But Art, what do you like about Crypto Zoo? A lot of these movies do not belong in the next category. There is mm-hmm. three movies that belong in this category. This one and two other ones we'll, that we're going to get to right now. Mm-hmm. But the next award winner, Crypto Zoo, mm-hmm. is the number next one innovator in this award. The next Innovator <laughs> Award 100% deserves to be at the top of the list uh, for this category. Is so trippy. It's not going to yeah. be for everyone. There is some really random stuff that happens in this. It is all animated to a crazy degree because it's not just dealing with cryptids that are every shape, size, whatever else. But we had a theory with it. Alina was like, yo, this is Epcot. But like instead of Disney having all of the people from around the world, it is these cryptids who are able to do things. And I know it's called cryptid, uh, Crypto Zoo, but it's not a zoo where these animals don't do anything. These cryptids have a society that they build yeah. stuff. Listen to a Q&A that they have over, I believe, in uh, the Denver Film Festival. And he goes, my inspiration was Disney. <laughs> he wanted to get <laughs> wow. into that. And he loved the utopia that Disney, if you remember, Walt was going to build his own yeah. area mm-hmm. code, everything there in Florida. Then he died, didn't come to fruition. They're waiting to melt him. This would have <laughs> been that in terms of this fantasy world. And he goes... I don't want to get too much into spoilers here, but there are different interpretations for what the cryptids could be. But I really like the creative interpretation of what they were supposed to be and how they get locked up. I personally found it fascinating. I liked seeing how he looked at Disney gone wrong from that perspective, because it's like you think you're building something that's going to be beautiful, but then it ends up just being an amusement park. It's like a Jurassic Park type I, thing. I literally said it's Jurassic Park on acid. That's, that was and a my lot review. of people yeah. forgot to order their acid before Sundance. But is that a good thing, Amanda? <laughs> is that a good thing? <laughs> Zach, I, it's I so haven't seen the other director's work yet, but yeah. you have. So tell me more about uh, him. Yeah. I, I, I saw his last film, which is called My Entire High School Sinking into the Sea. And I think <laughs> I watch it's it. got this similar kind of hand-drawn aesthetic uh, combined with, with these sort of trippy ideas that are treated very muted they're they're kind of downplayed a lot of a lot of things in this movie that are far out uh just end up being really downplayed in in this way that i just didn't quite jive with okay would you watch it again I, funny enough, I didn't get through it the first time, and it was an award winner, so I did watch it again <laughs> last night, and I liked it even less oh, no. i just uh, I don't think Dash Shaw makes movies for me. Okay. I get that some people really like what he's 
doing, but I don't know. It, it just doesn't jive with me. It's it's it is amusing in parts, and the world is is crazy and out there. Uh, but it, it was bizarre and and. I, it didn't add up for me. Amanda, what about you? There, there were parts that I was like, yeah, this is going to be badass. And then something really weird <laughs> happened. And I was like, never mind. And then it just kind of does that constantly. It's just this back and forth and back and forth. Uh, definitely belongs in the next category, which I respect. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, it's weird. I think Jurassic Park on acid. That's what I'm going to say. You know, hey, like, that, this, and that is and, fair. And, and, if and I like Jurassic Park, so like, go for it. You know, give it. A, it's worth I the watch. I think it's worth the watch because it will be. Yeah, but acid is just. I've never taken acid, but I imagine that this was a good recreation. <laughs> so uh, I think it goes like this: that. Zach gave it two, you gave it three. I'm leaning towards a three and a half. I'm, I'm a little yeah, bit more positive with go, it, but go. this is one where I can't be like, drop the money. I just be like, if yeah. you have seen everything else, yeah, or if you maybe. really like trippy stuff. If you yeah, want to see something yeah. completely different, CryptoZoo. This was the only animated movie that played. Uh, I mean, I guess Flea also. Uh, but Flea's a combination. But one of the few animated movies, I guess mm-hmm. I'll say, that played Sundance this year. So I did appreciate the animation. You know, we, we are living in an age where a lot of feature animated movies have a very similar look to them. And it's cool that there's a movie that looks like mm-hmm. this out there. I... I don't know if I want the movie to feel like this, but I'm glad that it looks like this. I can't wait to see it again. Talk spoilers. First date directed and written by Manuel Crosby and Darren Knapp about a guy conned into buying a 65 Chrysler before his first date with the girl next door, Kelsey. His night implodes as he find himself, finds himself targeted by criminals cops and a crazy cat lady a night fueled by desire bullets and burning rubber makes this a first date unlike anything else amanda i know you caught this one it was underwhelming for you too yeah yeah it was one of the ones i went into that i was really excited for like it was premiering at the same time as prisoners uh, of the ghost land and a few other ones that were really mm-hmm. being hyped up and this is the one that like really drew my attention because it these are the types of movies i tend to like i like coming of age stuff i like kind of really the the ones that kind of go off the walls and like really weird directions of like violence like i really liked spree last year i was hoping that this would kind of have like a vibe like that and then it just never fully gets there. Like every time mm-hmm. you think it's going to, I think I even reviewed it higher than most people did. But, but just every time I thought it was going to get to something more, it just didn't. There was like, it gets one point, yeah. like there, there's like a moment towards the end where it does kind of get hit a little bit of that balls to the wall feeling that I thought it was going to be for mm-hmm. more of the movie. And it's just this series of increasingly more unfortunate events. But again, it just, there's, it just needed more. I think I have it at a very generous three out of five stars right now. Like, very yeah. generous. I think it could be a movie like Spree or a movie like Keanu. I think that's what I was hoping for from the premise. And instead, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more like uh, Date Night or a little yeah. bit more like The Lovebirds or something like that. Yeah. One of those action comedies that the action's not very good and comedy's the comedy's not, not yeah. very good. So it's kind of just doing a little bit of both. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just a bit of a disappointment here because I do think some of the cast is very charming. Mm-hmm. Tyson Brown in this Great. lead role. I, I'm happy. I'm going to be happy to see him pop up in other things in the future. But yeah. for me, this just didn't work on several levels. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I it's okay, mm-hmm. I guess. But 
the, the okay is not a really good reason to see a movie. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. Like, there was a couple lines I really like. There, there was a couple lines I really like. Like, I don't know. Every time, like when when the girls around and that guy's like, "You're being very rude right now. Like, you're not going to get very far <laughs> in life that way." Like, there were moments that it was that it really hit, but it just overall didn't come together, which was like a pretty big bummer for me. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I could feel. Art, right, what'd you like about it? This is a South by movie, bro. Like, yeah. this is a mm-hmm. movie that if it would have played for the South by crowd, they would have been like, yeah, this is fun. I think this is, if it comes out on Netflix, people are going to be like, oh, that was an enjoyable movie. Kind of like a PG-13, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It tries mm-hmm. to do all these Might have been fun in a movie I was, That was my thing. This was yeah, another one of those perhaps. ones that I was like, I wanted to catch this in a crowd where people y'all are, are yeah, yeah, y'all are right. It doesn't, surpr- it doesn't excel. Like, it doesn't do anything extra. And I think that that's what we go into the Sundance Festival, like expecting, no, 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 we're supposed to be getting movies that should at least meet the three and a half right. marker. Yeah. So I feel bad that this is like, this is a movie made by two best friends that's always meant to be three stars. <laughs> it was yeah. always meant to be. It was never supposed to be anything more. And yeah. I think at a South by screening, and you're right, watching it with a group would have been a little bit better. Yeah, I don't know why this but is in the next it. category. <laughs> like, there's no reason for this to be yeah. in next. It's like, they're like, it's not midnight. So there it goes. Yeah. Again, so again, yeah, <laughs> I don't see this being, I, I don't even understand what makes it next. No, at not all. at all. There's it's very nothing? like down the middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. So again, a, a, just a misfire in how they programmed it, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think it would have done better elsewhere. But it's mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. It's okay for me. Yeah. It's okay. Ma Belle, My Beauty, actually the next audience award winner. Really? So the biggest audience pleaser in this category. Sure. A uh, <laughs> film, <laughs> an American film set in France, written and directed by Marion Hill about a surprise reunion in southern France that reignites passions and jealousies between two women who were formerly polyamorous lovers. Art, what did you think about My Belle, My Beauty? Amanda, what did you think about My Belle, My Beauty? <laughs> Okay, I forgot. This is actually the first one I watched because we got mm-hmm. a screener for this one. This was the first one I watched. Right. They're really cool. Yeah, they were it's, good PR. They were good. They were great PR. It was all right. I think yeah. it the it excels in its pre- how it handled its premise because this is about a former polyamorous relationship in a way that isn't being played for like like cheating drama or just anything like that. It is literally just trying to address that as a lifestyle that a lot of people manage to comfortably have whether it's not for you whether it is for you like some people make this work and it's fine and I thought that was really interesting like yes there are jealousies here but I feel like it's coming from different areas than the Mm -hmm. oh my god you're cheating on you me you've been talking to somebody behind my back it's like a very interesting dynamic with what happened here it hasn't, but it, it hasn't stuck with me. Like I've watched so many movies. It was one of the earlier mm-hmm. ones, and it hasn't stuck with me through the festival. So it is not bad, but it is not like amazing. There's not a lot that's terribly memorable yeah. about this one. I yeah. think it's a movie that's trying to go for. It's like trying to be a vibe movie. Yes. It's before. trying to be like a before sunrise mm-hmm. or like even yeah, like yeah. A, there we go. It, even like a Richard Linklater uh, like a comedy, mm-hmm. but you know. I think it doesn't quite get to that level of intriguing dialogue or, or like tense, you know, relationship yeah. drama. A little more. I, I th- yeah, yeah I, I think there's elements of it that are interesting. And obviously it's cool to see a polyamorous relationship depicted in film because it's so novel. I don't think there's many, if any, movies about it. But yeah, but the, just the, the movie around it doesn't really support the premise of covering that. They ignore a lot of things with two characters who are in France. 
You get what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you're trying to cover a subject, but then at the same time, you're going to ignore, like, other things that would have come up, I feel, when you set the story in France. I was more intrigued on this idea of this is a New Orleans film. Yeah. We haven't even mentioned this, mm-hmm. but people weren't just watching movies from their home. A lot of places were having drive-ins, and New Orleans was one of them. I had the opportunity to see some screenings from the New Orleans Fest last uh, year when they were hosting it. So I found it really dope to see that they were hosting stuff, and they hosted a bunch of Q&As. Maybe that's why they also get to vote for the awards. <laughs> Maybe that's why they got the audience one. They did have great PR. Um, but I do find that fascinating, that idea of like how it can be an American movie, even though it's completely set over in France. So it's right, like, right. I found my, like, the, while I'm watching it, I'm reading the press notes and, I, and I'm, I'm seeing all how they were able to, like, make this film overseas yet still have it be a New Orleans, not just an American film, but a New, New Orleans, Orleans movie. I just found it interesting how it's like, but you're not putting money into New Orleans or are you if it's being, yeah. that was more intriguing to me than the movie itself, but <laughs> I'm right. curious to catch it to see um, how they roll it out considering it won an award. R hashtag J, directed by Carrie Williams. It's a reimagining of Romeo and Juliet taking place entirely through cell phones and a mashup of Shakespearean dialogue and current social media communication. Gotta say, this is the movie I was most dreading going into the festival. Yeah. So I skipped it. But Amanda, I know that you tackled this one. Uh, what did you think about this? movie that has a hashtag in its name but doesn't understand how searching Twitter yeah, for hashtag works. I was there so, is no Twitter. Yeah, there's no Twitter. It's all Instagram. I was so <laughs> close. Like, this was the movie when I heard about it. I was like, no, absolutely not. Not touching this. And then it just, oh, wow, there's movies still playing and this is, it'll let me watch this. So, for the content because I think this will make great content. <laughs> so, I'm watching it. And it's going through the phone stuff. And I'm like, okay, like they're, they're modernizing it completely. Great. So all the text messages are normal. And then he gets on FaceTime and it's the iambic pentameter just comes out. And I was like, oh, what sweet fucking hell is this? Because the only person in this movie that can, can deliver those lines properly is the guy playing Mercu- Mercutio. Mercutio. He was the only one that I believe the lines only do. Everyone else, horrible. Romeo, trash. Is it that he's the best actor? Is that Mercutio has the best lines? It's he's the best actor. His flair, everything about him. And the character he's playing. Everything about it, it just works for him. Like it doesn't feel weird when he's, you know, and then he'll say the line and then drop like a period at the end and it just works. But everybody else is just so horribly awkward. Like before going into it, I said, this is giving me the impression of when you had like an intensive English class, they'll let you do really creative projects for books and plays. Like you can write songs, you can do things. This is what that felt like. It was like, we're gonna make Romeo and Juliet through cell phones. And then it just, it gets so bad. It's not (laughs) good at all. And I like Shakespeare, but like there was no reason not to just modernize all of the dialogue the same way they're modernizing the delivery method. And it would have been instantly yeah. better if this was modernized dialogue. All of it should have been. Yeah, absolutely all of it. And then that's the thing. Why are you having modernized yeah. dialogue in the text messaging and the Instagram and then Bro. having them being like, fair Verona? And I'm like, yeah, where art thou, my Romeo? Yeah. Homie, you got top or not? Like, yeah, they don't even exactly. make any sense, dude. Like, there's an Instagram live thing that's happening and someone's fighting and everyone's like, yo, whoop his ass, all these different things. Well, they're going, yeah. and da, 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 da. It's yeah, like, why? Like they're, why? Yeah. How do we have such a, a vast difference? If my yeah. Belma Beauty, which deserved to be in the US, dramatic, I don't <laughs> know what made that one next either. This does not deserve to be here. Not in the category. At the festival at all, because this is a full-out, just studio film. 
Look, I don't even hate right, this movie. Right, yeah. Uh, it's, you got the producer Timur Bekmamnetov uh, on it, who's uh, on Searching. We're going to talk about that? On Unfriended. He oh has cornered, God. when we talk to the Searching Boys, he has yeah, cornered he the market the... on these screen things. If you're doing yeah. anything with screens, you got to pay a tax to this man, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, look, I understand that every year what makes it next is that it's on screens. Last year was, uh, what would you say, Spree? And then the year prior was Searching. I get that. There's always going to be a screen movie. That homie who you just said, he is always going to be funding them. But this mm-hmm. is a straight-up studio film. And that's what makes it so frustrating that it's playing at a festival. There is a lot of funny stuff that they do. If I don't get why they did the Baz Luhrmann thing and changing the language, yeah. but there is some funny stuff in here that they could have committed all the way, but they mm-hmm. just don't. They try to make it modern in the sense of now the Capulets and the Montagues. There's some police tension that's yeah. going on in there. Oh, Rival are we going wars. to just yeah. skirt right through that, um, they could have made there's some it funny bits. So compelling, but yeah, there are some. There's some funny bits. bits. There's some. Yeah. There's some culture references that are being made, which I. Look, it's, it's going to be a hit when it comes out. Yeah. I did find it enjoyable, and that's what makes it annoying when it gets really dumb at points. Yeah. The homie's got Criterion Channel. <laughs> he's got the Criterion yeah, he's got the Channel. Zach, on his dock. Yeah. Because he's a filmmaker. Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Yeah. There's a lot of Easter eggs that I probably would have been good if they did wonder. more things like that and yeah. modernize it in yeah, other exactly. interesting again, ways. again, it's a studio film because they're always on Instagram, WhatsApp, messenger they never touch twitter come on bro i sat with the searching boys i know how this works i know how this works Mm -hmm. but yeah um it's gonna be a hit i think kids are gonna eat this up obviously Uh, really it's a studio film they're gonna have the money behind it to push it regardless of if they hate it or if they don't they're gonna watch it i just feel like i haven't heard one person say they liked it there's like a couple people that's not true. Uh, yeah, I guess I ha- have seen some people commenting. Even about in our, it. I think in the live stream, someone was like, "I loved yeah. our hashtag Steven. Jay," and then someone was like, "I fucking hated that movie. It was the worst yeah. movie I ever yeah. saw." And I was like, "Oh my god!" But again, it's a studio film, and like McDonald's that have two stars on Google, people still go to them. That's what a studio yeah. film does. It does not matter what anybody rates it; it's going to make its money. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Stupid way of putting the hashtag. Stupid. <laughs> it could easily just be hashtag RJ. Like that would. But yeah. they don't even go work, on Twitter. Right? That's what I'm saying. It's like they they, they had people it's... who knew the subject, and then they also had other people who was like, "No, yeah. this is studio meddling. Do it's this." Weird. So um, yeah. worst review I we'll saw see. for it though was not as good as the Unfriended movies, but better than Searching. And I was like, <laughs> nah, "No, nah, nah, nah. bro, they play bad by Claro in this." And there's a certain point where you just realize, oh, they thought that they understand like the young people, probably a year or two removed. Yeah. That's what <laughs> right, I always right. find funny with these yeah. movies. Yeah. All right. Searchers is the next one up, directed by Pacho Velez. It's a documentary that's alternately humorous and touching about a diverse set of New Yorkers as they navigate their preferred dating apps in search of that special someone. This is kind of an interestingly constructed documentary. I think it's using... Uh, what, whatever that uh, teleprompter style mm. cam- camera is that Errol Morris likes to use where you can get the subject to look directly at the lens, but it's also doing it while they're navigating through their different dating apps. So you're seeing someone decide, am I going to swipe left or swipe swipe right mm-hmm. as they're like looking directly into the camera? It gives you this kind of interesting, uh, invasive quality into what's obviously like a very personal normally private process of like going through your romantic options and i think this is a really interesting documentary in sections like i think sometimes he gets these questions out of people that are very 
introspective in what they even want from uh, a dating app or what it's like trying to navigate life through these dating apps. The the kind of under under commented on thing in this documentary. It seems like a lot of it was filmed during COVID times, which makes it that much more difficult to even meet somebody else. So we're we're sort of forced onto these apps in search of uh, romance. I, I think it's an interesting documentary. I found it to be a, a little bit samey as it went on. Uh, maybe a little bit overly long. I, I think maybe like a 40 minute version of this would have been mm-hmm. excellent, but I still kind of enjoyed this one. Amanda, you felt sort of the same as I yeah, did? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, I feel like some things just started get, getting a little repetitive and some things just didn't mm-hmm. intrigue me. But then when you got to the moments where there was a person who, who just had a way about them, had a way of wording things, yeah, where they got down to the crux of like why things didn't work, why things did work. I thought some of that was really interesting. But yeah, I think this could have done would have been significantly better had it been condensed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Same. I didn't even have this one on my radar, but they were nice enough to send a link. So I was like, yeah. all right, I'll make time for it before the festival starts. Mm-hmm. And I did. I liked the way that it was shot. And it's just the certain pockets that they find. And sometimes they're interviewing people. They don't got any, any nothing interesting to say. Some mm-hmm. other people had some questionable things that they were bringing up. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but there were some people like what are the, they- go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, one of the interesting things is when they actually do sort of look into other apps aside from like Tinder. Like there's a a moment where they're talking to these women who are on seeking arrangements. And like if you know about seeking arrangements, that's like a like a what do I want for an allowance exchanges website. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So it's it's interesting when it explores the different dynamics of what even like a dating app, quote unquote, is. But maybe there's a little bit less of that and a little bit more of just like personal introspection. I, I don't know if I needed as much about the director's own mm-hmm. romantic life yeah, as this one wanted to yeah. give me. When yeah. they talk to the older dudes, I thought that was funny because it's like, you yeah. don't like it, do something else. And they're like, what else? Stand on the corner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was all right. I, again, I don't see what makes it too much next. I can kind of see why, but it, it's just a regular doc. And you're right. Make it 40 minutes. You got yourself a short. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it is that style of it. The visual style puts it into the next category. But l- like you said, there aren't a lot I don't of think like that's strong enough. contenders for that this year. Yeah. So, you know, I guess you got to fill out the program somehow. Yeah. Son of Monarchs, a, Mexi- a Mexican and American film directed and written by Alexis Gambis about a Mexican biologist after the death of his grandmother. Returning to his hometown nestled in the majestic monarch butterfly far- forest of Michoacan, the journey forces him to confront past traumas and reflect on his hybrid identity, sparking a personal and spiritual metamorphosis. This one came into the festival pre-winning the Alfred P. Sloan Feature Film Prize. Art, what do you think? Was it a deserving winner? Um, well, from what I know about the Peace Loan Award, I think last year Tesla won it and then Searching had won it as well. Marjorie Prime, those have been recent ones. I don't really know what goes behind voting for those. Uh, I've talked to some jurors and such, but hey, it won that award. That's good for it. The director himself is a biologist. He has made some work, some like montage work with uh, Josephine Decker, special jury. I feel like you'd have to be in order to, to make some of the moments of this film actually happen. And that's the part about it that I guess 
may take away. I, I like the aspect of showing this man from Michoacan who, you know, it, it's an immigrant story while never really saying that because it's focusing on this, mm-hmm. these butterflies, right? He's a biologist mm-hmm. who focuses on these butterflies who do cross the border every single year because that's what they do to survive. And it kind of shows his spiritual journey and what he's going through there while also matching it up against science. So it is an immigrant story, U.S., Mexico, but it's also science and faith. And I really like that science and faith talk. But there's a certain point where I think it takes it away and it just sits you down and goes, hey, kid, have you heard about CRISPR? And I'm like, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it downplays the drama that you then get. This very, mm-hmm. um, I don't even want to say muted, but this, this personal journey that he's going through and where he has to decide not only between countries, not only between his family, but also just between uh, this like journey that he has to go through of the science major that he's in. But then also how his family back home lives through faith. Uh, and, you know, there's some other stuff that I'd like to talk about it more in terms of spoilers. I think it has some very interesting discussions. But I think uh, it may be a little too slow in its spiritual narrative journey for some. But yeah. the part that that, that I, I was cool with that. That's fine. The only part that took away from me was when they were clearly giving you a science lesson. And the more that I search up about it, and of course it winning the, the the Alfred Award, those are the parts where I was like, ah, that could have been done a little bit better. And it would have felt less like a speech. But it was all right. It was all right. Yeah, I, I would. I just kind of was a little bit puzzled by this one. I, I wasn't very. I didn't find the drama to be very involving. Yeah, it kind of feels mm-hmm. like a film in sections. Like now we're focusing on these butterflies. Now mm-hmm. we're focusing on the family. Now we're focusing on you know your life back in New York and what it's like being an immigrant there. And it's like it, it doesn't feel like different pieces of a coherent puzzle right yes it it just sort of felt like different ruminations on different ideas and at a certain point i was kind of like why am i still watching this whole thing like what is what is it trying to tell me and maybe that's a failure of my approach and my thinking about it but i I was a little bit confounded by this one maybe it's just too smart for me or or maybe it's just not that involving i I don't know Uh, they have a lot of subtext to it but they also spend time like just telling you things and at that point it's like right we Mm kind of have to pick one if we're going to go one way or the other and that was i think where it gets jumbled a bit i love the scene with the brother there's a specific sequence between him and his brother in this conversation that they have and i was like damn that's that's the best part of the movie right there there's a lot that I like about this movie. I like the fact that they really wanted to make sure uh, this wasn't Blast Beat where he's begging to be in the field. He's already in the field. He's doing the stuff that he's doing. But I also know it's also a science movie. Uh, And you're right. Zach's right. It feels like it's a couple different things all into one. I agree. I don't have anything to add. Like that's that's my takeaway, honestly. Yep. All right, so let's get into Strawberry Mansion, written and directed by Albert Burney and Kentucker Oddly. This is set in a world where the government records and taxes dreams. An unassuming dream auditor gets swept up in a cosmic journey through the life and dreams of an aging eccentric named Bella. Together, they must find a way back home. Art, I think this is one of the ones that you were also looking forward to quite a bit before the festival started. How did you end up feeling about Strawberry Mansion? It was my most anticipated out of the next category. I, I can't say if it was in my top five, but definitely my top ten just overall anticipated. That idea is so fascinating. And they go Very for cool. it. I really do think that they try to do some stuff with it and bless their soul. They did not have the budget to go for <laughs> what they wanted to go for, but that did not let them stop them. And it's like, I don't want to say it hurts them, but they go for it so much so to the degree that a lot of what they could afford to make the effects for the ads and such comes off a little adult swimmy at points. But I found the idea to be really fascinating. Um, 
without spoiling too much about it, it's just a very interesting concept of this idea where you're even getting taxed in your dreams. And when everything is run by a corporation and such, what else are they going to do? While also being the quirkiest damn movie about like a romance with a woman, but not her, the younger version of her in her dreams. <laughs> so there's a lot going on in there. And this is the one I would say is more quirky than anything else. But mm-hmm. again, CryptoZoo, Strawberry Mansions, and the final one that we'll be covering, those are the those are the three in this category that actually felt like next movies. Uh, man, did you catch this one? Or no, no, I was planning to, and then it started getting such yeah. horrible reviews oh, that wait. I was just kind of like bounced it. <laughs> None of you guys Same. caught this one? I should have, but no. like it started getting so many oh. bad reviews and I didn't realize that you could double up the slots like that at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I just, I missed it. Yeah, because this one's only 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, we always say like we learn how to do Sundance by the end of the festival, but we this was very different because we had to learn how to do the vir- virtual version. Yeah. And by the end, I, I figured out how to yeah. d- get my time slots. I figured out when I could wait mm-hmm. a, for a movie. But like, unfortunately, this was like that day one. came at the sacrifice yeah. of some of the first day, one day or day one and day two movies. Interesting. All right. I'm curious. I feel maybe you guys will like this more than CryptoZoo. Maybe. I, I hope. <laughs> you know, I definitely hope. Because again, like CryptoZoo in this one, it just, it enters that weirdness, quirkiness part, and it either clicks for you or it doesn't. Maybe this would have been the one. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the final movie in the next section, probably the biggest hit amongst film Twitter in the next section is We Are All Going to the World's Fair, written and directed by Jane Schoenbrunn. It's about a teenage girl becoming immersed in an online role-playing game starring Anna Cobb and Michael J. Rogers. This is a very interestingly constructed movie from some of its very long takes to its compilation of different internet videos uh, as a narrative structure at some Mm -hmm. point. For me, I while I think some of the elements about it are very interesting, I, I really felt like this one was lacking in terms of providing you information or providing you just really, really elements to really hang on to and pull you forward through the plot. I, I was fascinated by the type of world it's trying to bring you into, but just ultimately bored by the, the lack of stuff happening in this movie there's just way way too many things that were drawn out and ultimately kind of like a a lot of build up to not much but uh, amanda i know this is kind of a, a story that might be up your alley what did you think about how uh we're all going to the world's fair was constructed there's an incredible movie in here Yes. Yeah, there it is. It's literally one of these things that it, it really it understands, like in all the ways that our hashtag Jay doesn't understand <laughs> the Internet and children, teenagers and kids and stuff. This movie does understand it. This is just so just wrapped in Internet trends, creepy mythology that has just taken the internet by storm constantly it takes a day and you can have a full lore of some crazy thing just immediately on the internet and it can be gone just as fast and this gets that and it it really kind of dials into that way that people search for connections online and like even you know when i was younger and first navigating the internet you're looking for message boards for things that you like you know kind of role-playing and just kind of um, pretending a lot of pretending online and how it can put you in different situations and and it handles so much of that to the point that when you're watching the movie you don't even necessarily know like is this real is this something (laughs) is there an actual thing going on here or is this just people part of this massive internet trend 
that stuff's all really interesting. But like Zach said, it's just the way that it comes together doesn't really carry the weight. It doesn't deal with a lot of the stuff that you might expect. And I think that it's because of the way it was shot. There was probably ways that they could have made it more interesting in the way that Spree did with like live streams and more phone videos rather than it being very much like webcam type thing. There there was ways to make this a more engaging movie that it just never quite got there. And that kind of, that's what makes this a bummer to me because when you wouldn't watch something and see it and be like, I know so many ways that this could be the best movie and then it just doesn't quite hit. But uh, it does a lot right, but the concept ends up being cooler than the final product. I liked it. Yeah. I think it would be a call hit. Uh, I don't yeah. get all of yeah. it, but I like the atmosphere that they were going for. Yeah. I agree with you guys completely. Like this actually understands the internet and how you yes. like converse uh, through it and the different relationships that I had on there and just the quickness of it. I, I know early on uh, the intro was uh, the director said, throw out your phone, let the slow art house cinema take you over. Yeah. Uh, and it is a slow movie, but they recognize mm-hmm. that it is so. I think that this one's gonna, this one was gonna be a hit for a lot of people. Yeah. I want to watch it again. Same. Yeah. Without having to feel like I have another movie that's about to play. <laughs> but yeah, no, I saw a lot of people talking about this one on Twitter because I know it's got a lot of uh, people who program festivals and even at a certain point when they're cutting through different footage. I saw Nick Spears up there. I was like, yo, it's yeah. Nick Spears from YouTube. So they definitely, the team understands. Mm-hmm. not just the whole like online perspective of it but i i liked it and i'm thinking more and more about it. i think it's one of those where it's it's a mood piece more than anything yeah. else so i'm curious to yeah. to see what i what i feel about it on on, on a rewatch and then just seeing uh, yeah. uh how they went about making it as well mm-hmm. yeah and i think one of the things i'm struggling with is like how you properly assess a movie that you like intellectually but you don't like practically yeah and that's fair because i i like i like so much of what this movie is about and what it's trying what it's doing i just did not enjoy my experience watching it that's fine and you know that that Mm -hmm. ultimately like you got to sit down and watch the thing yeah um but uh yeah i'm sure some people will really dig this one because a lot of people have been really digging this one so Mm -hmm. uh, let us know if this was one of the standouts for you at the sundance film festival there's a shot i really liked about tickets coming out of somebody's something (laughs) that that shot is going to stay in my mind for a while yeah yeah i'm just i'm just lingering on that opening like pen pin yeah oh my god i was like like, is that what i think it is i was like oh my god Mm -hmm. i'm still uncomfortable about that yeah i don't like that (laughs) 